I'm a card carrying Bayesian at this point. Ben Alomar, director of sports analytics at ESPN. You stood next to Big Poppy, be like, he's just one of us, man. <laughs> That's kind of a big deal and shows you a lot about the randomness of sports. Rick Peterson, the director of pitching development for the Baltimore Orioles. This is Warden Moneyball's post game podcast. Good morning. Or good afternoon, or whenever it is you're listening. This is Wharton Moneyball's post-game podcast, and I'm Professor Adi Weiner of the Wharton School of Business, Department of Statistics. And on our show, we're going to break down highlights from the two full-hour radio show that aired on Wednesday morning. This week's show was hosted by Cade Massey and Shane Jensen, and they had the opportunity to spend almost the entire time talking about their favorite sport, which is football, both college and professional football. Their guests in the morning were S.C. Gwynn, the author of The Perfect Pass, American Genius and the Reinvention of Football. And their second guest was Coach Rob Ash, the offensive analyst for Arkansas and former head coach of Montana State. Let's go to our first clip where they talk a little bit about the origins of the passing game and how the football really transformed itself over time. Just because some concepts, you see a lot of these sort of paradigm shifts in, in, in sports or, or elsewhere. The, the, the problem, the reason they don't occur very often is that the sort of, you know, even if you can get, get to that end gr- state of like that, that's clearly superior, you have to go through a whole bunch of very yeah. clearly inferior intermediary states. They get killed in the crib, basically. Yeah, so, so right. how... So you, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. So what you have is you have this extremely deep conservatism in the sport of football, and it is unbelievably deep, and it goes back to the 19th century. Football was a game that was played at a bloody scrum that was really narrow and really small at the middle of the field, and it was incredibly violent. There was no such thing as passing. And, in fact, you were seen as a kind of a wimp if you ran off tackle. You were supposed to run it up the middle. And that was the <laughs> idea of football. And guys who invented football, like Walter Camp at Yale, they re- all through the 19th century, they resisted. They were through the latter half. They resisted this idea of passing. Eventually, so many people died that Teddy Roosevelt and others said, you've got to pass. So, for 1906, <laughs> they invented the pass. And, and so Teddy Roosevelt was the one stepping in, being like, this is too dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that's Just really for something. context. <laughs> So, so you know, we have the, and then suddenly there's this little explosion of passing. Pop Warner and the Carlisle Indians, they they throw the ball. If they can't, you can't throw it like watermelon, but they do, and they have great some great players. Pop Warner's the coach, of course, and they have a great running back named Jim Thorpe. And and then in 1913, there's this great game where the team that nobody nobody in the East Coast gave any credence to, Notre Dame. You know, came east to play Army. Army was the powerhouse, and Army only ran the football, and Notre Dame actually threw it. Amazing discussion where we transition from the completely running version of football, which is the version that began it until early in the 20th century, where it began to become a passing game. Shane set the stage beautifully by remarking how sometimes you actually have to make things worse before you climb out of the trough and make things better. Fascinating discussion. Our second clip talks about Hal Mum and the high-speed passing offense and makes some interesting comparisons between the NFL and college. What's interesting is there's, you have a double standard working here. The NFL and college are different games. In fact, there was a big story in Sports Illustrated not that long ago that said, you know, there's a complete offset between the two games now. What, what's happening is college has become the Hal Mummy air raid passing game. Mm-hmm. I mean, all over the place. There are these quarterbacks who are throwing for, you know, and they're, they're, they're doing this, the, the high-speed offenses, high-speed no-huddle, which Hal invented, by the way, um, 
wasn't done before he and Lee did it at Iowa Wesleyan. Remarkable. It unbelievable, these crazy spread thrones like Bowling Green and God knows where, yeah. everybody else doing this. Yeah. But they get to the NFL, and what do they get? They get pro sets, you know, yeah. with, with complex copycat kind of offenses. Yeah. Now, having said that, you see, you're seeing more and more air raid. I'm, I'm sitting there with Hal, let me the guy I'm writing about, watching the TV. We're watching his plays one after another, after another tunnel screen, receiver screen, mesh. I mean, why cross? Wow. They're, they're just running air raid plays. Now, that's not running the system, but it's just running individual plays. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, I think you almost have to look at the two things separately. College, I don't see going back anytime soon, but, but here's what could happen to the crazy wide open offenses. Um, you know, you, you would have thought that the wishbone was going to take over football, you know, after Emory Bullard invented it at Texas in the 1960s, you know, because there, people started to really run it, and Alabama won a national championship with it, and, you know, it, it's just incredible. It's a triple option offense, and it's very hard to stop. And a lot of, a lot of ways, it's just like a, a run version of, of the air raid. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with it was is that the NFL didn't want option quarterbacks. It didn't want that. That isn't what they wanted, and so being a good option quarterback didn't get you in the world. Um, and so college is, in effect, one of the big reasons that historians have said, sports historians, that the wishbone died because the NFL didn't play that way. Fascinating discussion relating the evolution of the college game and its wide open air raid offense and some comparisons to the NFL and how things change and die out in the NFL. In our next clip, we're going to bring on Coach Rob Ash, the offensive analyst for Arkansas and former head coach at Montana State. And he's going to talk deeply about decisions about whether to kick a field goal and its implications. End of the game scenario where a team's up by three down in the red zone and they kick a field goal to go from up three to up six. And that's absolutely contrary to what analytics would suggest that you do, because when you go from up three to up six, you basically open up the playbook. Like you were just saying, now the field goal is not a factor for the team that's trying to come back. They have to have a touchdown, so you've just basically given them an extra down to play with from that point on. So, okay. you know, that's a very common mistake that coaches make that, uh, you know, the analytics would, would tell you don't, uh, don't do that. This is a fine example of a clash between the playbook, the professional playbook, and what coaches are actually doing. And what um, is being isolated is the looking forward idea that if you go up by six, you actually, in some sense, benefit the opposition because it takes away the field goal as an option, giving them a first down, an extra opportunity to get a first down by always going for it on the fourth down. My comments on this are still somewhat open. I'm not really sure if this is true or if it works or not. Um, I would imagine you could always go for that fourth down. And doesn't matter what the score is. We'll probably have to un- unpack that statistic later on. In our next clip from Coach Rob Ash, Shane actually sets the stage with a very interesting question and asks about essentially coaches' decision making and puts it into the context of risk seeking and risk aversion. You know these these mathematical models. These sort of like the ESPN bot that predicts fourth down gives you fourth down probabilities as well. They don't take into account the context of that particular play. So the coach going deciding to go against the mathematical model could either be because he has extra information that the mathematical model has not built in, like the context of like how his offense is running at that particular moment in time, how that defense is running at that particular moment in time, 
Or it could just be kind of a risk aversion that a, a coach, even without extra information, is going to kind of, you know, not not do the risky thing because he exposes himself to a lot of second guessing after the fact. Yeah, we, we, think, which do you think is the more dominant uh, sort of case? Yeah, I think I think both of those statements are true. Um, I talk about it as being sort of conventional wisdom. You know, the so for example, Shane, if you start a game and you get the ball on the 25-yard line after the touchback and you gain nine yards on your first three plays, it's fourth and one on the minus 34-yard line. In certain books, based on how many possessions we expect in the game, you know, how many you know points are expected to be scored by those teams in the game, uh, that book might suggest that you go for it on fourth and one on your first series on the 34-yard line. Fabulous discussion kind of opening up the conversation to the validity or the value of these analytical formulations that said you should do this thing and that thing on the fourth down or given the game state situation. I think what Shane is really trying to elucidate is the idea that the coach can see things on the field that is not in the model. There is, of course, a counter side which suggests that the coaches are using those things that they claim to see on the field to justify the decisions which are ultimately quite conservative. It's a wonderful discussion and we'll probably hear more about that at some future shows. Coach Rob. Bob Ash will continue his discussion on third down and five plays. Think about this. Okay, third and goal at the five. I talked earlier about conventional wisdom. What is uh, every play call on third and goal at the five? You so, throw a fade or a flat yeah, route, right? Yeah, if it's yeah. incomplete, you kick a field goal. That's right. right? But if, if it's third and goal at the five and your analytics book says that fourth and two yeah. is a go, on third and goal at the five, you run your your best back off tackle, gain three yards, get right. to fourth and two, run again, get right. the touchdown. Wow. Another yeah. one, fourth and, uh, let's say it's third and two at the 12. Okay. And, you know, so third and three at the at the 13, you're trying to get to the 10 yard. A lot of teams would throw the ball there, whatever, miss, kick a field goal. Right. You know, what we constantly did at Montana State was run twice and, you know, get the first down, sustain the drive, you know, and then maybe score a touchdown later on. Fabulous discussion. Interesting way to think about how analytics is actually impacting play calling. The idea being, if you know you're going to be going for it on fourth down, that actually changes your third down play. So this has been our second edition of Wharton Moneyball Postgame Podcast. I'm your host, Professor Adi Weiner of the Wharton Business School, and we've been listening to the week's wrap-up highlights featuring Cade Massey and Shane Jensen. Join us again next week for another edition of Wharton Moneyball Postgame Podcast. 